So, let me ask you guys a question. Um, how many of you, and this might date you a little bit, but it's okay. Um, a movie was released in 1982, and let's see if you're familiar with it. How many of you guys know the movie E.T.? Yeah, all right. Steven Spielberg, right? He directed that one, right? Wasn't it Spielberg? Yeah. Excellent, excellent movie. Classic, for sure. Um, if you don't know, the, the movie's about basically this alien who gets left behind, extraterrestrial, naturally, and, uh, and he gets left behind from his family, and this boy discovers him. And so they start to create this kind of uncommon bond and relationship uh, with one another, even though they're completely different beings, literally, from different planets, speak different languages, somehow they're able to connect with one another and then communicate with each other. And then next thing you know, they have this intimate bond and connection and the boy makes it his mission to get this alien, his friend, home to his family. But the government naturally comes in and they want to test him and test the alien, test the boy and all this stuff. And anyways, it's this whole dramatic scene, um, a lot of fun. But the point of the story is that two Two beings that had nothing in common were able to have a thriving relationship, even on an intimate level, heart to heart, even though they were from different planets and spoke different languages. And to me, that's kind of a picture of marriage. <laughs> Two beings, completely different, from different planets, able to create an uncommon bond and relationship with one another, speaking different languages, right? Um, and we all know it's true. <laughs> and have you, you guys remember that, that, that little grade school uh, saying of uh, girls or boy, I would say I would say girls because I was a boy. Girls are from Jupiter and you get more stupider and boys are from Mars and they get more candy bars. Like, I don't know. That was like a, it was like a grade school thing that was really popular when I was in elementary school. And I... I was really young when I thought that was cool. Um, but it's true. Uh, in all people, I mean, we're all completely different. Everyone has a unique expression of the image of God within them, a unique temperament, a personality, uh, strengths and weaknesses, uh, ways that we give and receive love. And so it's important for us to have a mutual understanding so that we can learn how to love each other in the way that we best receive love. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul starts talking about that as he talks about relationship and marriage. So the title of my message today is A Mutual Understanding. A mutual understanding. So we're continuing in our series, walking through the book of Ephesians. Last week, we talked about how we are children of the light. That's right. Well, someone said it. Let's say it again. Children of the light. Right. So, light, right. You were, you are, live as. Right? Those are the three phrases that we saw in Ephesians chapter 5. You were once darkness. 
You are now, right now, you are light in the Lord. So live as a child of light. Live as who God made you to be and what he declares about you. You were, you are, live as. And you see this theme that Paul turns this corner in chapter four of Ephesians and starts talking about maturity in Christ and what that looks like. And being a mature believer of Christ, a big part of that is knowing who we are and knowing who we're not. Because the enemy wants to lie to us and tell us that we are darkness, that we are defined by our mistakes and that we're defined by our past. But Jesus says differently, amen? He says differently. He says that we are new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And so Paul's saying, as a mature believer, we're gonna know the difference between who we were and who we are. The old man that we can put off right, that's not who we are anymore, and the new man created in true righteousness and holiness in the image of God. And so part of maturity is delineating between those two, discerning that this is who I am, not this mistake, not this sin. I'm not gonna take, that, take ownership of that, that that's who I am. No, I'm gonna believe what God says about me, that I'm a child of light. So, and then in chapter five, in the end of chapter four, Paul starts talking about character, and our behavior as a child of light, what that looks like, the difference. And he says, not this, but this. And so he talks about, okay, we're not, we don't steal anymore. We don't lie anymore. We don't slander. We don't tear people down anymore. That's not who we are anymore. Who we are now is we speak life. We speak hope. We lift each other up. We speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord. And he tells us to forgive one another and have compassion on one another and live in that way. No longer greedy or, or immoral or impure, but righteous and holy and that we are dearly loved and, and we are God's holy people and that we're imitators of God. So he's, he's describing different characteristics and behavior. And so he continues that in verse 21, only he shifts and he kind of turns a corner towards relationships. He starts talking about what does it look like to live as a child of light in our relationships and even particularly marriage. But he starts out in verse 21 with this core idea of relationships as followers of Christ. He says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That word submit means to subject to. In other words, to put yourself under Uh, and and seek another person's desires and interests above your own. It's a sacrificial version of love. Francis Foucault says, there must be a willingness in the Christian fellowship to serve any, to learn from any, to be corrected by any, regardless of age, sex, class, or any other division. Mutual submission is the cornerstone of God-honoring relationships. Mutual submission. We submit one to another out of our reverence for Christ. And that's the foundation that is laid. It's love. It's love. It's sacrificial love. Philippians 2 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that, that's, that's a tall order, right? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that Jesus had. And then it goes on to describe how Jesus was obedient and humbled himself even to the point of death and death on the cross, right? He says, imitate Christ, have the mind of Jesus who said in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, what? Than to lay down his life for his friends. And so he's saying, this is the love that we are to imitate. And we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's interesting because it says, you don't look out for your own interests before the interest of someone else. And that's, that's very specific, interests, right? That's very, it's like preferences almost. Like, what are you interested in? What are they interested in? You're actually looking out for their interests. So it's very intentional, very specific in how we humble ourselves and love our neighbors and our friends. But notice, it says to lay down one's life for one's friends is true love. It's not, it doesn't even say spouses, it's for all relationships. This is how we are to act in all. But if we're doing it for our friends, how much more should we do it in our marriage relationship, right? Mutual submission, laying our lives down for one another. Uh, Katie and I, uh, when we do pre-counseling with couple, premarital counseling with couples, pre-counseling, um, it's before counseling. It prepares you for counseling. No. Um, pre, no, okay. Premarital counseling. Um, we sit down with them and we talk about a couple of different things. One of the things we talk about is, first of all, Jesus has got to be at the center of your relationship. If you exalt Jesus collectively together, he will draw you together. He'll, his love will bind you together in perfect harmony if you lift him up. And if your goal is to lift up Jesus collectively, then he'll draw you one to another as you reflect him. But we also talk about simple goal, simple goal. It's, it's simple, simple in words, but not simple in practice, okay? The simple goal is try to outdo each other in your love for one another. Try to outdo each other in showing love. Outdo each other in being selfless. I'm gonna try to be even more selfless and sacrificial and take more interest in your interest than you do mine. And so I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna outdo you in showing honor. The Bible says that. In Romans 12, outdo one another in showing honor and showing love. Make that your goal. Just love each other every single day. Okay, I'm going to try to be as selfless as I possibly can today and put my spouse before myself. I was like, I know it sounds, it's, it's really difficult. It's really hard. But if that's just a simple goal, like, okay, I'm going to outdo my spouse in showing honor and in loving them. And that's the collective goal together. You mutually pursue that. Then man you have a really good shot at having a healthy marriage. It's as simple as that. So just selflessness. It's just not about you. It's about them. And if you do it together, that's powerful. And as we, as the body of Christ, if we enter into relationships in the same way, with that character and with that attitude, how strong can our relationships be? It's amazing. And it exalts Jesus And so you might think, yeah, that's great to do. It's easy to do when it's mutual. (laughs) But what about when it's not mutual, right? What about if it's one-sided? Or what if that person doesn't deserve to be loved because their actions 
don't deserve it. Their behavior does not deserve it. Their character does not deserve it. Well, I mean, that's the gospel, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And look at that second part of that verse in verse 21. It says, we submit one to another out of reverence for who? Christ, out of reverence for him. So we submit not out of reverence for the person, but out of our reverence for Christ. So we don't love and submit to someone and show them that sacrificial love because they've earned it. Christ earned it for them. And we do it out of our reverence for him because he says, love one another as I have loved you. So love one another. So it's out of our reverence for Christ that we're loving one another that way. And Jesus even took it a step further. He said, love your enemies. I mean, literally, people who overtly oppose you, love them. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you, right? And so it's a tall order, and it's only by the grace of God, and it's only by the Spirit of God in us, but we submit to one another out of our reverence for him. And that's what's great about that is that he doesn't change, right? He's always worthy. And so when the person, their behavior might change, they might not be worthy of our love. Jesus always is. And so that gives us the ability to transcend their particular behavior or actions and still love them the way Jesus does. Amen? So Paul says this, and then in verse 22, he turns the corner and starts talking, zooming in on marriage relationship. And as we mentioned earlier, people can be dramatically different. Men and women especially can be dramatically different. So Paul focuses on two areas of emphasis in mutual submission. So again, mutual submission is the foundation. It's loving each other sacrificially, right? That's the foundation that we have in our relationship. But then he goes on to emphasize two specific areas of love, how men and women receive love best. And it's important to note in this passage that Paul speaks to the duties in a marriage relationship, not the rights. He doesn't speak to the rights of the spouse. He speaks to their duties. And that's sacrificial love. It's very quiet in here. (laughs) You're like, what are you going to say? Come on, man. All right. (laughs) So that's the foundation is that sacrificial love. So two areas of emphasis. We'll start in verse 22. It says, wives... I know you guys love this. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. This is is the Bible, okay? I, I didn't write this, all right? For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And then in verse 33, later on, it says, and the wife must respect her husband. So we see this word submission again, right? But we've already laid the foundation that there is mutual submission in relationships. So what's it referring to here? It specifically points this out as an area of emphasis for the wife. So why is it important for the wife to place herself under the husband's leadership and in so doing look up to or respect and honor her husband? Why is that important? Well, there's a couple different reasons. One is because it's the role of the husband in the marriage and in the Christian family to be a leader. That's the role of the husband, is to lead. 
And so part of the role of the wife is to then submit to her husband's leadership. And so that's one, but also, it also refers to how men, I believe, best receive love. How we as men best receive love in our particular need. Men typically have a high value for respect and honor and nobility. Being an honorable man means a lot. And someone speaking of us as living a respectable and honorable life is really important for us as men. Can I get an amen from the men? Amen. So we want to live that way. And that's why I think men are typically more naturally drawn to things like the military. Because there's an opportunity to live sacrificially, to be above reproach, to have integrity, to be honorable. There's something in us, and it's the image of God is what it is, in us that desires that. And so when, when others, in our wives especially, speak to us in that way and they honor us and they show us honor and show us respect for the sacrifices that we've made or the ways in which we've served our family, man, that speaks a lot of love to us as men and affirmation of who God made us to be. And so that's a way in which men receive love when our wives speak well of us, Right? and showing respect and honor, and then gratitude for our service to them and to our families. And so it's one way in which men receive love. Okay, and then women, for the wives, husbands, your role, let's look at this. (laughs) You're not off the hook. All right, verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And just just as a pause, isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus in the church? Man, that's how much he cares for us. He wants to wash us clean and present us as a radiant church for himself without spot or wrinkle. That's why the enemy wants to condemn us. He wants us to to feel spotted. And Jesus is like, no, I, I died so that you can be clean, right? And so he wants that for us. Sorry, side note. 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, that word love there, where it says, husbands, love your wives, there's three different words for love in the Greek. There's the eros love, which is like a romantic or a sexual love. There is a phileo love, which is kind of a mutual friendship, you know, common bond, like a a brotherly love, right? And then there's agapeo, which is the God kind of love, right? Sacrificial love, as we talked about. But listen to this commentary about agapeo. Paul chooses the typical Christian word agapeo, love that is totally unselfish, guys, that seeks not its own satisfaction, nor even affection answering affection, but that strives for the highest good of the one loved. This love has its standard and model, the love of Christ for his church. It means not only a practical concern for the welfare of the other, but a continual readiness to subordinate one's own pleasure and advantage for the benefit of the other. It implies patience and kindliness, humility and courtesy, trust and support. This love means that one is eager to understand what the needs and interests 
of the other are, there's that word interest again, and will do everything in his power to supply those needs and further those interests. Woo! That's what he says to the men. Husbands, love all of that your wives. Ultimately, he says, husbands, live sacrificially for your, for your wives. It's not about you. But also, there's an emphasis here for the men. And I believe it's on empathy. Look at verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. Another translation says, cherish and nourish. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Cherish and nourish as if it's your own. The two become one. When they cry, you cry. When they rejoice, you rejoice. Their win is your win. Their loss is your loss. You feel with them. You feel with one another. This is the love that we're talking about. Empathy, feeling with, caring, cherishing, nourishing. And it's interesting because everyone feels their own feelings first, right? We all feel our own feelings first. That's, that's natural. That's part of being human. You don't feel someone else's feelings first. It doesn't happen, right? Or our lack of feelings, right? But what it's saying here with empathy is that you're putting what your spouse feels above what you feel or before what you feel in that moment. You're placing their experience and their feeling above your own. And so you're taking a backseat to what's going on, their interests, what's going on within their heart. So, and then it closes with verse 32. Paul closes, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Verse 33, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So now, both love and respect are needed on both sides of the equation right? Uh, They're not mutually exclusive. It's not like men only need respect and honor and women only need cherishing, nourishing, compassion, and empathy. It's not saying that. We need both. Men need it as well. They They need to experience empathy and compassion as well as honor. And women also need to experience honor as well as empathy and compassion. All people, this is something that we all need, but it's showing emphasis for one or the other that might not be natural for you as a man or a woman in a relationship. Because this is what is natural for us. As human beings, we naturally want to define love or respect in our own terms. We naturally want to define love in our terms. We want to love in the way that we receive love best, right? How many of you guys have heard the five love languages? Right? So uh, there's physical affection, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and quality time. Right? There's different ways that we give and receive love. Well, it's natural if I'm like a words of affirmation guy. That's how I receive love. Is if someone does, that's not me, but I'm just saying if that were me, then my tendency will be to give that out. Right? I want to affirm others because that's easy for me to receive it. It's easy for me to love that way because it's how I receive love, but it's not sacrificial necessarily, because that's the easy way. What if someone receives love a different way? 
What if their love language is quality time? Oh, shoot, well, that's, that's harder for me because then I have to take time and oh, I could have just said, hey, you're awesome, <laughs> you know, but now I have to sit and like hang out and listen and stuff, <laughs> you know, right? It costs more because it's, it might not be natural for me. So for example, like let's say a man or a husband says this, you know, I am loving and cherishing my wife by being hard at work and providing for my family. Absolutely, that is love. That is a form of love for sure. It could be acts of service is kind of like that love language you could say, right? So for sure, that is a way in which we love, right? But is that the way your wife receives love best? Is that the way she receives love best? Empathy, for instance, might cost you more because it doesn't come as naturally, right? But that's sacrificial love. We're loving someone in the way they best receive it. So empathy, for instance, let's look at empathy. Okay, empathy is a few different things. Number one, empathy is taking time to listen. Taking time, time. Quality time is a tough love language, by the way. Um, and I have quality, have a, do we have one quality time kid? How many quality time kids do we have? Just one? I mean, one for sure. And it's like, okay, I gotta take some time. <laughs> Quality time. So empathy, taking time, taking time to listen. Now, not listen so that we can just check the box. Okay, not that kind of listening. Not like, okay, I'm listening. All right, and check. I listened. Okay, done. That's not empathy. Empathy is listening in order to understand. Okay, listening in order to understand, meaning that we take the time to ask clarifying questions, that we're engaged in the conversation. It's not the, all right, I'm listening quietly, I don't want to say anything because then the conversation will take longer. Okay, so um, oh, the game's coming on soon. Okay, I think they're almost out of words. Okay, you know, it's not that, all right? And I have no experience in that, you know, of course. I've never done that myself. Um, of course not. Okay. It's, let's be real. Okay. So it's not just that. It is, okay. What I'm hearing you say is, now remember, don't say you said, oh, no, no. What I'm hearing you say is this. Is that what you said? That's not what I said. Oh, then what did you say? Okay. What I'm hearing you say now is, you know, and so taking time to understand, but then not just that, understanding so that we can empathize, so we can feel with, right? The purpose of understanding is so that we can share their joys, their sorrows, and their burdens. Sharing the burden, bearing each other's burdens. This is fulfilling the law of Christ. This is not just in a marriage relationship. This is in all relationships. Christ asks us to bear each other's burdens. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep, right? That's what the Bible says. This is how we do that. When we understand, it helps us to empathize. Now, what's amazing about empathy is that you don't actually have to understand in order to empathize. You don't. Because we've all felt the feelings, right? So if someone, for instance, felt betrayed, you don't have to understand how they got to that place in order to feel what they're feeling because you've felt that feeling before of betrayal. 
so you can empathize. Yes, gosh, that is so hard because you, you feel like you're giving in the relationship and, and then you've been abandoned and been rejected and then, and then you're putting all the work in and you're betrayed because you poured your heart out there and then they just trampled over it. And so we can identify with the feeling even if we don't understand how someone got there. That's empathy. It's sharing that burden. And then check this out. When it happens again, when we notice, because we're bearing their burdens, if someone does something that maybe looks like betrayal, then we can go to our spouse or our friend and say, hey, how are you? You okay? Because I know that like what they just did kind of, you know, you've been, that's something that's been on your heart. Are you all right? How much intentionality does that communicate? A ton, right? So that's empathy. Okay, so I'm not just stopping there. We're gonna talk about respect too. So it's hard work. It costs you something, but we wanna love in the way that they best receive it. Okay, so you could say, for instance, let's say um, a wife might say something like this. An example, I am respecting my husband by spending time with him and sharing all that's on my heart, the deepest part of my life. How could I show more respect and honor than that? <laughs> right? How could I show any more respect and honor than share my heart, the deepest longings and desires of the heart? How, how much more could I respect my husband? All right. Well, that is love for sure. And that is showing respect. If you're going to share your heart with a person, absolutely. But is that the way in which he best receives love. Is that the way? Okay. <laughs> or is it speaking well of them? Respect might cost you more because it doesn't come as naturally maybe. So respect, what does this look like? What, is it, what am I talking about when I'm saying respect? Um, first of all, respect is actively looking for what is done right well and good, actively looking for the good and highlighting that. Not the bad, not the clothes on the floor, not the dirty laundry, not the purgatory laundry where it's like they've worn it, but they don't consider it dirty. So they don't hang it up, but they don't put it in the hamper. They put it on a shelf or have a plate that's purgatory. There is a place for that, men. There's a purgatory laundry place, yes. So not, not talking about that, okay? But looking for the good. How, what, how have they shown sacrifice? How have they loved you well? How have they loved the kids well? Looking for those things, highlighting those things, not for the sake of anything out here, but in here. So that they can be respected and honored here first. So here, and then verbalizing gratitude to them for their sacrifice and service. Verbalizing it, speaking it. If you have something positive to say about someone, you think something about somebody, anything, your marriage or not, tell them, let them know. Like if you appreciate something in someone, tell them because they might need to hear that, right? Same thing in marriage. So, so not only do you acknowledge all the things they're doing well, but then verbalize Speaking gratitude to your spouse, to your husband in that particular instance, or to a friend. 
So verbalizing gratitude to them for their sacrifice of service. And then number three, speaking well of them behind their back. Speaking well of them behind their back, not to their face. I can't tell you how good it feels when I overhear my wife saying something in respect or in honor about me to someone else. And she doesn't even know that I heard it. Or someone says it to me later, you know, because it came up in a conversation. Oh, your wife was talking about you, whatever. That, man, that that makes me feel loved, right? Because it's not just here. It's not just here. It's, that means that it's true. It's sincere. It's in the heart. It's like been branded in there, that there's that respect and that honor that goes deep in our relationship. And this costs something because there might be an opportunity to have camaraderie between all of the things that our husbands do wrong. (laughs) Like a sense of of connection. Like, well, yeah, the the clothes and yes, the purgatory and yes, the, you know, the clippings from the beard around the sink and you know what I mean? And so there could be that opportunity, but it's saying, I'm going to say no to that opportunity for connection and I'm going to honor my husband instead. And so there it's sacrificial. That's the point, sacrificial love. It's hard work and it costs something. Ultimately, mutual submission is loving someone in the way they best receive love. Loving someone in the way they best receive love, not on our terms. Remember, because whose interest are we looking out for first? Theirs, okay? And so because we're valuing their interest above our own, we're saying, okay, sacrificial love. I'm going to love them in the way they best receive love. And so that takes time, too, to know what that is. And and it takes investment. You know, and and this isn't, again, in any relationship. Friendship, coworker, neighbor, you know, family member, whatever. Taking the time to understand, okay, how do they best receive love? That's how I want to love them. Not just the way that's easiest for me. So I can, okay, I did it. Check the box. I love them well. But is that the best way to love them? Amen? I know. This is fun, isn't it? (laughs) All right. Someone's having fun. All right. Well, I want to close with this. Um, So what about the times where our tank is empty? Where we're not feeling it? where it's been a really bad day and we just don't have it, especially in marriage. It's like your, your day's been long, work's been hard, you had a hard meeting with someone, whatever else, and you get home and you're not in the mood to empathize, right? Or you're not in the mood to shower gratitude, right? Because that's, let's be honest, we're gonna have good days, we're gonna have bad days, and we're gonna have really bad days because we're broken. We're imperfect people. We're, this is an aim, okay? We're not gonna do this perfectly. We're aiming for this, right? This is what he says, live as a child of light. This is what it looks like in relationship to live as a child of light. But there's those days where we don't have it in us. Now, what's amazing about the spirit of God and the grace of God is the word of God says that his grace is sufficient And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we are weak, then we are strong. And so in those moments, 
when we've got nothing left, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God and the Spirit of God in me. And so if we can simply take a step of faith in the direction of loving well, just a step, just that's all we have to do, a step to listen, a step to say thank you, something simple, doesn't have to be a lot, just something small. It's amazing how when we say yes to God, when we've got nothing, the spirit of God comes in and he makes up for all of our weakness, all of our brokenness, and he comes in and somehow when we have nothing left, the spirit of God gives us the grace to love well. It's amazing. It's him. It's not us. That's why it's clear in scripture, apart from him, we can do nothing. So when we're at the end of our rope, when our tank is empty, that's when Jesus starts. Where we end, he begins. And so in those moments, the grace of God can be sufficient. And he can give us the power we need and the strength we need to love well, even when we're not feeling it. Amen. So if you're here, uh, you might be in a place where uh, you have a particular relationship in your life right now that is not doing well, that you feel is unhealthy, uh, it's on the rocks. It could be your marriage, it could be a friendship, it could be coworker work, it could be a boss, it could be whatever. You might be in a place where there's a particular relationship that is struggling in your life. Listen, we want to pray with you. I'm gonna have our prayer team come up elders and our prayer team. Um, if you need prayer for anything, again, anything at all, it doesn't have to be relationships. We just want to pray with you. It could be something totally unrelated. You have a job interview this week and you want it to go well, whatever. We want to pray with you. But if you're in a place and you're saying, yeah, there is a particular relationship that I, I want prayer. I want prayer for this or for my friend or for my spouse or whatever. We want to pray with you. If your marriage is in a rough place, if, if you feel like your marriage is on the rocks, please talk to us. You don't have to come up for prayer. I understand that. But please reach out. Reach out to Katie or I, some of our elders, our staff. Please, someone that you're in relationship with, reach out. We believe in healthy marriages. This church, we want to have thriving marriages. Because the reason why Ephesians 5, Paul emphasizes Christ in the church as a picture of marriage is because one of the greatest testimonies of the gospel is a thriving marriage. That's a testimony to the world. And so come, like, let us know. We want to pray with you, want to stand with you. And listen, also, I want you to know that if you've been a part, there's a lot to say here. I know we can go in a long, a long way, but if you've been a part of a divorce, listen, God makes all things new. He restores, he heals, his grace is sufficient. His love is there. There is no shame in Christ. He will not condemn you. He will not shame you. That is not what God does. He builds up, he edifies, he encourages, and he comforts. And so if you hear a voice that's shaming, that's not the Lord. He is not gonna shame you. He's gonna encourage you. He's gonna speak life to you. He's gonna remind you that you're a child of light, that right now you are light in the Lord. Right now, not one day, 
now because of Jesus. So be encouraged. Jesus is here and he is able to restore, to heal, to remove all guilt, all shame, anything connected to to those experiences in your life and to broken relationships. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close in a song of worship. I just want our hearts to be open to the Lord. Wherever you're at, whatever it is that you need from him, the spirit of God is here and he's ready to pour it out. Could you stand with me? Stand with me. And then again, if you need prayer for anything at all, prayer for anything at all, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Let's worship. Thank you, Father, that everything we need is found in you. Everything. If we need healing, you have it. If we need confidence and assurance, you have it. If we need grace, you have it. Strength, you have it. Restoration, reconciliation, you've got that too. We thank you, God, that you redeem. That is what you are all about, Father. You redeem and you restore And so, Lord Jesus, we just receive from you, God. Give us grace, Lord God, in our relationships to to have mutual submission, health, life, love, this grace that we need, or to have thriving relationships, thriving marriages, Lord God, because of your goodness and because of your work on the cross, you've made it possible. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Appreciate you. Um, And next week, we will actually be closing out our series on Ephesians. So the last week of the Ephesians series. So see you then. Love you guys.